It's like backstage, but there's no stage. It's the Standby for Places Green Room. Welcome to In the Green Room. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of In the Green Room presented by Standby for Places. My name is Ben Mandel, and I will be your host today. And I am joined by the playwriting duo, John and Zach Walsh. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us today. Yes. Hi. Thank you for having hey, us. Great. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're here to talk about your your play uh, titled uh, Family Secrets Drama, which uh, I'm sure some people might hear and think this sounds like the dramatic equivalent of a generic, like, you know, like a like a pharmaceutical drug name or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that's basically the intent. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys want to talk about like, you know, talk a little bit about your inspiration and where where the idea for for this work came about? Because I'm sure, you know, folks who hear it, folks who get who have the opportunity to maybe read the script will see a lot of familiar lines of dialogue and familiar inter familiar interactions, um, character types and the like. Do you guys want to talk about, you know, maybe some of the sources from which you drew those things? Sure. Absolutely. Well, for start, the, the title is definitely not an accident. The title is meant to remind you of, like, it, it's a genre that I don't think a lot of people consider to be a genre, but it definitely is. The idea of like oh, a yeah. family secrets living room, not just a like, you know, living room farce kind of play, like not just a, it takes place in one house, but a specifically a large family reveals secrets at each other for like two or three hours. Right. And there's a bunch of these. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. So we, we had a lot of fun uh, like going through and talking about, you know, what moment would fit uh, which play, what, what mm -hmm. we should be referencing when. Uh, but Zach, the initial idea, I think- Yes, this is as, um unusual as the piece is and the comedy in our piece is. Uh, this is actually me being made more accessible by John. Um, the initial concept that I had was um, the, the first scene I had was the exchange between uh, the character father and the little son character, which I mm -hmm. am playing in the, the recording of the piece, right. um, where they do basically the scene from Fences, the I don't yes. have to like you scene, but it's... Yes. Um, all the variables are about the song I'm a Little Teapot. That was oh the first goodness. thing I had. And so in my original um, like conception of the show, it was uh, that all of the characters would be sentient teapots and that we would wow. do uh, a really intense uh, family secrets drama where just like we kept rephrasing the lyrics to I'm a Little Teapot over and over in different ways. Uh, and John said, or we could do this that people might actually enjoy. Um, <laughs> That's a so, very that's a very compelling idea, though. Thank you. Um, I I should note that when he was thinking of this, we uh, when we first wrote this, we weren't envisioning it as a audio play or as a podcast. We were thinking of it as like a you know on its feet stage play. Right. And so Zach was pitching teapot costumes, like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, style like full Mrs. Pot. Oh, that, I was gonna say Beauty <laughs> and the Beast because there's already yeah. there is like, and maybe the play would be about that family of teapots. <laughs> yes. that's, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but that, yeah, that's no, just, then that's just the kind of encouragement Zach needs right now. Then John helped me make the idea slightly more accessible. Um, and uh, we teamed up together and we, as John said, talked about different um, 
plays that fit this subgenre that we mm -hmm. should make sure to call out or nod to in one way or another. Oh yeah. So uh, again, the the fences scene did remain. There's mm -hmm. a lot of um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. There's a lot mm -hmm. of August Osage County. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Glass Menagerie. That was where definitely. the collection of teapots with the yes. sun definitely became the Glass Menagerie as opposed to him being a literal teapot. Right. Um, what other ones, John? There are aspects of characters and like lines. I, I can't even think of all of them, but there's basically any player. I think we reference a couple musicals as well. Mm -hmm. um, any any kind of basically our rule was any kind of like theatrical anything that we could think of that we could throw into this. Mm -hmm. Just yeah, go ahead and make a reference. Um, it's definitely like a situational collage kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's it's all patched together and stitched together very well, and it, you you manage to get. A legitimate narrative through line with it all too <laughs> it easily could have been like you know it in, in many ways it reminds me of the bald soprano a little bit um have you guys okay. read that by ian esco yeah actually yeah with that that where it's like so deconstructed and there's just mm -hmm. and well i mean the you know sort of his hallmark was all the repetition and you there were lines that might have been repeated 10 times by each character but it's and but there's also this this uh very kind of extreme self-awareness on the part of the characters of like they declare their their titles not because they're not they're not named their mm -hmm. their, their, <laughs> their titles are their familial roles like father son male neighbor and it's all it's an interesting how you incorporate gender into those things too um it's yeah, it, it, yeah. it's very very interesting the deconstruction of it all sorry continue yeah uh, yeah no that that definitely th that was absolutely intentional we really we had a lot of fun with that with just keeping their the the family names uh, the we probably at least in my head um uh, that was mostly from uh who's afraid of virginia wolf the mm -hmm. the honey just always being referred to as honey and how um, and they refer to each other like bitingly as yes. their titles to each uh -huh. other like yeah um they're weaponized yeah. these titles yeah yeah right it's fascinating i remember the, for the first time i read this i was kind of like i was sort of there was almost a point where i was waiting for another shoe to drop i'm like are they gonna is this gonna take a left turn and it does in the last <laughs> few pages it really just goes it goes off the rails thank um, you i was I mean, the first time I read it, it was very late at night. I was in my bedroom alone. It was very dark. And I was like guffawing to myself. I was like, <laughs> I was like full belly laughs out loud. So I, I only hope that our listeners have, have the same kind of experience <laughs> with this play because it's just like, some of it's just astounding. Well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I hope so too. Uh, we, we definitely had a lot of fun uh, writing it. We, we've been working on it for several years. Um, just like here and there, you know, it was never really like a main focus of ours, mm -hmm. but um, it was every time we would revisit it, um, there was always a new thing to add, a new joke, a new, it, it really, right. it was very fertile ground once we started. It yes. was really easy to add just as oh. much as we wanted to it. Um, yeah, uh, I think I will bow out here. Uh, Great. Really well, nice thank, to meet thanks. you. Thank you very much. Great to meet you, John. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, Johnny. Really Good appreciate to be here. all of your input. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Amazing. Well, yeah. you know, while while I still have you, Zach, there's, yes. there's a couple, you know, there's a couple things I wanted to, I wanted to poke and prod about a little bit. Um, you know, uh, a play that's been on my mind a lot recently, um, it's something I would love to do either a production of, um, 
at, at any point in my life because it seems like it's always relevant uh the play our town by thornton mm-hmm. wilder um and i see a lot i see a little bit of that in this play as well because while our town is um very much you know um a very serious work um it also and and it ha- and it, it does name its locale and it does name its characters i think it's it's famously has a large void in it for the audience to project itself onto. Mm-hmm. And I think you've achieved something very similar, albeit in a very different format and in a very different tone. Um, and I, I guess I, I just want you to, I, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about, um, you know, kind of, and if you've even thought about this, this plays kind of place in sort of the dramatic timeline because you also see even if you go back as far as like Shakespeare and then like neoclassicism um like neoclassical works it's like there's this oscillation between um an audience identifying mm-hmm. with the characters and with the situations and being pulled in maybe by even some uh uh certain uh motivational ambiguity versus then you have stuff like Brechtian theater, which which more aims to alienate an audience yeah. and is much more sort of declarative. And there's like, you know, uh, placards that have the titles of the scenes on them and maybe the t- like the name of the town or the city where the action takes place. And so it's, it, you've almost done something of a hybrid of the, uh, between the two. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. No, yeah, that is- that's typically when I write with John, uh, which I do rather frequently, that's where mm-hmm. that that in between is where most of our work winds up living. Yeah. Um, I definitely when writing humor have a tendency to get like completely divorced from real emotion. Yeah. Um, like I, I don't have that like Judd Apatow moment of like, and then everybody gets together to cry in the third act right. and then they all overcome something like I don't have any of that. Like I am like really cold with where humor comes from and Mm -hmm. and so definitely that steers into the more brecht style of like these are almost stock character stand-ins these are archetypes these but then there is also such an influence from more conventional and classical type works more i guess in the plot of it i would say right that Um, makes sense than in the the specifics of the dialogue uh, and how again detached they all are, right. um, but yeah, no, that is that's pretty much where our stuff lies is the um, humorous middle ground between those two of them. So, what a great answer! Thank I, you. And I, I think something else I was reminded of was um, I, I mean that it was just you know the entire time reading it's like plays and characters and authors just kept they just kept <laughs> popping into my head. One another one was. Um, uh, six characters in search of an author by Pierre yeah. Mello, you yeah. know, and it's it's or and all and also it sort of on the same to the same token. Although this is a movie, is the movie Stranger Than Fiction? Mm-hmm. Um, have you? I don't know if have you seen yeah. this movie with Will Ferrell and then with yeah. Emma Thompson? And it's like, you know, the difference, especially with the with six characters and this is like, the characters in six in six characters are like they're they're actively questioning where it is they come from and why it is they exist and where whereas in your work there's work they're kind of past that there there is much more they, they've accepted this <laughs> about themselves yeah um, there we kind of um it, there's there's definitely like a sprinkle of meta throughout all of it for sure. where like there are lines where 
they'll say, I'm sure we'll come back to that in the next scene, or like, I'm just going to explore the space or the outer perimeter of the, like there, yeah. there's, there are several moments, but it's not um, uh, constantly call it, like they're not fully aware that they're characters. Right, they just, right. it, it, there are select moments where they understand and have accepted the theatrical convention that they live in. Right. And it's one, I mean, one of my favorite, um, little motifs that keeps coming up is when someone says i am also in this scene yes. it's like <laughs> i really love that because thank you, you see that sometimes you see that a lot there the, the, you know and in and it's done in an effort to create a sense of you know verisimilitude where like there might be six people sitting in the room but two of them are the ones who are active in the scene and everyone mm -hmm. is just kind of like milling about living as it were yeah. in the world in the world of the play and it doesn't go acknowledged. It's just supposed to, you know, create a reality to suck us in. And you just like totally turn it on its head. And it's like, and I, I just, I, I love that convention that you've made. Cause it's Thank like, you. I, I, when I see sometimes, you know, and I, you know, there's merit to both, but when I see a kitchen sink drama, I, I often will look. And also this is, this is the actor in me. Cause I'm always very interested in what the actors and stay on stage that mm -hmm. are doing when they're not the ones who are the focal point of the scene when, when they're being set dressing exactly um yeah. and it's like how do you engage with that as an actor do you are you are you simply waiting for your turn to speak or are you you've given yourself an activity you are in the world of the play it's like you're you're folding laundry or you're cooking breakfast or you're mm -hmm. doing dishes or whatever or you're reading or you're just sitting there or you're drinking or whatever the case or maybe you're eavesdropping on on the conversation that's happening i just think you've done you've you've found a very interesting little uh way of just highlighting that thank you yeah. yeah um that definitely probably stems from uh there's a bit i forget if it's a movie or a tv show or what but um Patton oswalt the comedian mm -hmm. had like a bit part in something and he in one scene he talks about it and there's a montage showing him doing it he stands perfectly still and doesn't blink because oh, wow. he has no business in the background but it doesn't That's like amazing. detract from the scene you have to really like kind of focus in on this tertiary character way in the background in order to be like he hasn't moved yeah um and so i, I really like that um the humor of that that a scene can progress and you definitely for plot purposes need this person there but like they can go into the what am i doing with my hands what do i like right. kind of um anti-acting that'll happen if you really isolate someone in that moment I love it. I, I just, it's, it's a great commentary on nature of performance and yeah. also like the role of the actor and also story structure in regards to what weight you give certain characters and um, why are we not, we decide to have them on stage at all when they may or may not even be playing an active role in whatever currently is going on in that moment. I, I also I'm think just... it's, it's especially funny now that it's being performed as an audio drama yes. uh, because you will have forgotten that he is a character. And then he will say, I am in this scene. And so you get like a double laugh of recognition totally. and remembrance of like, oh, right. They are a character. All right. Because yes. you're just picturing everything. You don't even have them literally at the table to ignore. You're, you have forgotten that they are there. Totally. You originally envisioned this as a, you know, fully on its feet, on a yeah. stage, in-person theatrical production. So, you know, what's it been like? And, you know, you have a, a, a uniquely inside perspective both as the writer and as someone who's playing a role in this production I, I we, we touched on this briefly earlier but Zach you are playing the role of the son little son um, so uh, of the little son excuse me yes and so 
if, if you had to change anything in the dialogue or um, how you envisioned it coming to life in an audio, in a, in just an audio format versus yeah. a, a fully realized stage play. So um, we definitely, we changed, it was, it was mostly cosmetic changes. Mm -hmm. It was mostly uh, characters saying, I'm going to answer the phone or who's that at the door and things like that. Um, as opposed to just having it be stage direction. There's now right. very minimal stage direction. Mm. Um, but we did add a couple uh, goofs in there that are specifically audio jokes. Like um, every single scene begins with, we hear the crack of thunder and rain. Yeah. Um, because we, yeah. we oh, thought that that would be a very yeah, funny audio joke that literally every scene would start exactly the same way. Um, we start the third act with a sound effects joke with the little son uh that i don't want to spoil in case people haven't listened to the piece yet sure. um but yeah we it, it definitely opens stuff up and um i mean maybe eventually we will uh expand this further put it on uh actual ground but um since the plot is so unhinged and so yeah. ridiculous yeah the staging and, and blocking and costumes and everything would have to be so grounded and so it yes. would actually be a pretty boring production to like rehearse and create because you don't want to be too flashy because that would um overshadow the yes. the silliness in in the words and in the Very plot true. um so it's probably like right now it's more satisfying to me that we don't have to worry about all that and that it is yeah. an audio drama in my head, if, if I were to picture it being staged, mm -hmm. you could even, I would, I could literally see the characters wearing signs around their necks mm -hmm. with their titles, with, yeah. with a sign that says the little son, maybe scrawled out in crayon or something yeah. like that with a yeah. backwards letter here or there. And versus now in an audio format, it's like, oh, how do we do that in an audio way? Well, we just have them announce themselves. Yeah, they, yeah. You know, it's, it, um, you've, uh, you really, you've, you've set yourself up for success. You've made it very, it's kind of very modular such that you can you can you can change things you can use diff you can use different devices i think it would i honestly think it would work beautifully staged well thank person. you i will definitely keep that in mind it's inevitable of course that we would try to you, we would hear it spoken in our minds or see it um you know being staged the thing that was constantly occurring to me was how does it sound what's the tone is it taken as you know deadly seriously as say mm -hmm. death of a salesman or a long day's journey into night or is it more um you know, with a raised eyebrow, acknowledging the joke with a lot of winking kind of thing. I, how, how, how do you, how do you hear it playing out? And perhaps it could work either way. I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, it's very fortunate um, with what our brilliant director has been bringing out in uh, the rehearsal period um, yeah. was a uh, earnestness to it mm, yeah. that for these characters, this is very heartfelt. Um, yes. And so there's an almost like straight faced sincerity that, yeah. that really heightens just how silly and bizarre all the sentences are. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased with that as the writer of, or co-writer of the piece. I, I definitely think um, that's, that's the right way to go. Yes, and as our listeners hopefully are, are aware, um, this production is being directed by Standby for Place's very own Dunya Karam. Um, who, who is was, fantastic. Yes, and she has a phenomenal comedic sensibility and yes. I think, I mean, what you're talking about sounds like it goes goes perfectly because, at least in my mind, for comedy, you need an even deeper commitment to the truth. Yeah. Because nothing is ever funny unless it's true. And yeah. 
in comedy, you have to have just this like absolute, like almost life or death mm -hmm. commitment because like, if you don't believe what it is that you're saying, it's not going to be funny. Yeah. And, and so, especially for something like this, earnestness sounds like 100% the way to go. <laughs> and it, it's so, so funny to hear these actors all really commit to this. Yeah. Um, there was a feeling yesterday listening to um, them read through the dialogue and these are such talented performers. Like these are really good artists yes. who are like really committing to this nonsense that John and I wrote. Um, yeah. And so it, it really, um, there, so with another play that John and I wrote that we actually uh, produced several years ago that I directed mm. um, called Amelia Earhart in Space, wow. uh, which is about how on her lost flight, she was actually abducted by the planet Neptune. Oh um, and we had a splash zone. We used so much stage blood and it was riddled with puns and just so, so dumb. And when it was finally opening and it was a sold out audience and I was standing in the back of the theater with John and I leaned over to him and it was like, it felt like the, the, the moment in the producers yes. where they're, where the show's opening and they're like, oh, we're in too deep. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, what did right. we do? People have what? bought tickets to this. We are in too deep. And, and I had that feeling that with movie. Amelia Earhart. Yes. I had that feeling with Amelia Earhart years ago. And now I'm having it again, listening to these again, professional wow. performers give their all to um lines of dialogue like the i'm a little teapot fences exchange right. um so it it really feels like like this is such an escalation it's it is it's so like funny getting, to me it's like you're getting away with something but then yes when you, when you but then when you hear a great actor totally commit to it you're like oh my god this is so legitimate yes. it's, it's it's amazing it yeah. really is amazing i mean and and, and a testament to to the power of of committed actors and and you know dedicated artists that they can that they can legitimize something like that. Yes, yeah. Um, especially in an audio format where no one can see their faces. They don't have costumes. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have someone to look at or sight lines or anything like that. It's just the voice and what comes through that. It's it's really, it's incredible. I, when we had spoken, when we first met you, you had, you know, you had spoken that you guys had self-produced a lot. Um, yes. I'm kind of, I'm interested to hear from you about, you know, just your experience uh, self-producing because, you know, Standby for places. This is this podcast sort of very much from the ground up. There's only a few folks who work behind the scenes, and we, you know, we've tried to make this an effort on the part of our kind of collective network of people that we've known and that we've met. Um, and I hope that you would just speak a little bit about your own experience, um, kind of self-producing. Yeah. So um, John and I started a small theater company here in DC mm -hmm. uh, called Any Stage. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we've done the uh, National Capital Fringe Festival a bunch of times. We've produced our own stuff in little black boxes in the city. We've yeah. uh, all kinds of stuff like that um, in varying genres, Shakespeare in the Park stuff. Um, but uh, right. obviously, since for the past year and a half, since the unpleasantness, we have shifted uh, a lot more to uh, film and video work and yeah. uh, podcasts. Right. Um, so. Uh, shifting this to be a an audio drama was very much like a natural evolution of this. We did um, uh, the last project. In fact, the last thing that we wrote together, uh, we premiered uh, on New Year's Day uh, wow. at 12.01 uh, a.m. Uh, oh because uh, 2021 
is the year where The Great Gatsby falls into the public domain. So we wrote an audio drama wow. sequel to The Great Gatsby that was released the second that it would be legal to do that. Oh my goodness. Um, Talk about a ball drop. My God. Yes. Uh, so so this this is very much the type of thing that we've, we've been up to. And um, we produce it all ourselves. There's minor crowdfunding if we need to but yeah. uh, for the most part it's it's just get it done sell it to someone get somebody else involved stuff like that this past 20 months or so um has been a great challenge to so many because it forces you to adapt yeah. and to uh to morph and change and duck and weave and you know you're you're going forward with your same intentions and the same the same work ethic and the same drive and desire and you just have to totally shift the form in which you're working and retool what you're writing for mm -hmm. different formats yep. um but you guys have just soldiered on through and like you have you have a lot of great material and clear there's clearly a lot of people who who like your work and who who want to be a part of this kind of little world that you're building so it's um we're we're very glad to now be a part of it and to, to be yes, putting your and work out there. Same to you guys. We're really glad to now be in your atmosphere as well. Um, Cause I, I definitely, I super admire uh, what you guys are doing and I've wanted to work with you guys since I discovered you were a thing like a year ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Excellent. Well, Zach, um, thank you so much for joining us. We're, we're really excited to have uh, family secrets drama um, out on standby for places for everyone to listen to. It's available on both um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and also Google Play for you to listen to. Um, so please tune in. It definitely is um, a new flavor for standby for places. <laughs> um, and we're really excited that we have an original work up, trying to program some more um, original plays. And we're really excited to have you guys on the roster. Um, so thanks so much for joining us, Zach. Um, yeah, thank and you. And all the best to John as well. So uh, you can find the stuff that John and I do at anystagedc.com. Uh, and that includes uh, our currently running uh, podcast, The Brady Bros, where we watch and review The Brady Bunch episode by episode. Because yes. um, uh, we thought that that would be a funny thing to do. Um, and there's so very much Brady Bunch media that this, I, we did the math and it's going to take us something like four years to work through it all. So this is handcuffed to us for a while. Well, so if you, you want to join and us- there, there is an audience for that. That <laughs> so is guaranteed. If you, if you want to join us on that journey or uh, again, any stage DC, you can see um, uh, the other stuff, the more uh, creative writing and production projects that we have. Um, so yeah, and again, the episode is Family Secrets Drama. So thank you very much. Thank you, Zach. So that's Standby for Places. This has been In the Green Room with me, your host, Ben Mandel, and Zach and John Walsh, the co-authors of Family Secrets Drama, now playing on Standby for Places podcast. Thanks again, Zach. Thank you. Thank you.